Hello everyone and welcome to this episode of the Spice Den Podcast. My name is Jacob and today we're going to be talking about Clone Wars Season 7, Episode 7, in addition to Issue 2 of The Rise of Kylo Ren. It is, I don't know now, three weeks into quarantine, my beard is getting scruffy, my hair is getting nasty and long, not really that long, but can't really cut it now, so uh, looking like a bum, but there's still plenty of Star Wars to talk about. Uh, this, like I said, this is episode 20, a little miniature milestone. I didn't think I'd be still probably doing this at this point, uh, but I think it's cool nonetheless that I've <laughs> persevered uh, through making this happen. Not that it's terrible to do, it just does take up a good amount of time to put all this together. And um, I like check my analytics every once in a while just to see if there's any growth. And for some reason, the only episode that, like, continues to get traction is the Dooku Jedi Lost one from, like, a couple months ago. I have no idea why, um, but that's it. That's the one. It's, like, every single week, it'll be, like, one or two streams on Spotify, be like, one or two streams of X episode, and then two streams of Dooku Jedi Lost just over and over again. So I think that, I'm pretty sure that episode has more uh, traction than every other episode combined in my catalog. For, I don't know if like Jedi is just a really SEO friendly term, but that's that. Just a little, you know, that's what it looks like behind the curtain. Uh, I mentioned last week that I was going to try and read some Rise of Skywalker novelization. Not that I'm going to talk about it soon, but try and read some of that. Uh, during the week when I was out on a bridge inspection uh, in my hotel room, I got I was like saying I might read 100 pages because I can easily read that much. And I have in the past uh, when I've been out on uh, business trips. But I was exhausted and read like 40. But there's been some cool stuff so far. I've been taking some notes. They're just interesting factoids and tidbits I've found uh, worth sharing. So we'll get there hopefully pretty soon. Uh, but yeah, so without that out of the way, we're going to hop into The Rise of Kylo Ren, Issue 2. So Issue 2 picks back up right where we left off. We're with Snoke and Ben on the little space station. And Snoke asks Ben if he likes this place. Ben finds it interesting and Snoke goes on to explain the origin. See, the creators built it trying to hold back a darkness by creating an oasis of light here in the Great Shadow. But, you know, we're shown that they have failed in holding this back. Uh, but they return to the topic at hand shortly, uh, and that is the Knights of Ren. Ben thinks he can learn from them, and Snoke agrees with them. But he says the Knights might not accept uh, this Jedi to be Ben Solo. Uh, ben tells him he hates his name. He may be named for legends, but, you know... Ben is for Obi-Wan, this big famous Jedi he's supposed to live up to, but he doesn't even know who he is and he never met him. And then Solo isn't even Han's real name, and he says it's all a lie. Just then, they're interrupted by a transmission coming in from General Hux, and Snoke tells his droid that Brindle will have to wait. So, this is not the Hux you know from the movies, this is, so that's Armitage Hux in the movies, this is Brindle, which is his father. So, I guess uh, he has not been ousted quite yet. Ben asks who Hux is, but Snoke tells him that Ben isn't his only friend. Snoke asks him about his true name and who he truly is. Uh, Snoke, you see, was not born Snoke. He became Snoke, uh, which, I mean, I guess is quite literal. He was never born at all. Um, But they go on for a bit more, and Ben decides to pursue the Knights of Ren. Uh, Snoke tells him it'll be his task to track them down, and he should go back to where they first met. If he meets the knights, he either must join them or die. You see, years ago, Ben was on a mission with Lorsan Tekka, who is the old man from the start of uh, The Force Awakens, and Luke. And they're in kind of, yeah, like I said in the last episode, a T-Wing, potentially. Uh, just like the Verity, 
uh, and they're out on a little adventure. Lore found a Jedi outpost that they're going to go check out way out in the distant part of the galaxy. Ben's hearing the same voice in his head from when he, uh, earlier when we saw the temple burn, and even as a young child, uh, all the way back then, he still heard this voice, and it's confirmed to be Snoke. You see, the voice tells him that he senses disquiet in him, but Ben just tells him that he's on a mission, and they're heading out pretty far in the outer rim, close to the unknown regions of the galaxy. Laura Santeca mentioned that this outpost was probably from the High Republic, an area of greatly expanded Jedi activity through the galaxy, which obviously we're going to see more in the High Republic stuff in October. Um, but the planet they're heading towards is Elphorona. Ben is saying some pretty Anakin Skywalker-esque stuff to Snoke. He tells him that Luke is teaching him so much, uh, but he doesn't want him to use it. Uh, and Luke tells Ben that uh, they could uh, maybe find some new insights on the old Jedi Order. Maybe even some old weapons, uh, since he knows Ben finds those interesting. Lore goes on to tell us that Kyber has powered many things over the years, not just lightsabers. It's also obviously powered the Death Star. They come upon the temple, which kind of reminds me of like the place from uh, The Last Crusade. Uh, but Luke says, be ready for anything. The last time he found a place like this, there was a lightsaber in the center, but it was booby-trapped. They enter to find this giant te treasure trove, and you can see along the walls a Jedi and Sith holocron, as well as an ancient-looking rifle. Luke tells Ben that it could be even better than Jocasta News' Cash, who is the librarian from the prequels. Ben and Luke sense a cold presence, and suddenly the knights emerge from out around the area. The leader, Ren, tells them that everything there belongs to them, uh, but how they're going to take it is up to the three of them. Luke tells them that they're wrong, and it's a Jedi outpost, which means everything in there belongs to the Order, which for right now is just him. He's the last Jedi, but not for long. He tells them to leave, and Ren calls him an old fool. Ben, in his anger, steps forward and says, This is Jedi Master Luke Skywalker. He's a legend. Ren responds saying this, Well, he's Ren, and these are the Knights of the Ren. And they're pretty legendary too, you know. So, Luke goes to tell Ben to stay back and protect Lor Santeca, who is not a Jedi. And they all go at him seven on one, in some odds that would make the Mandalorian proud. Luke is going at him, and he says he's one man, but he's not alone. The Force is an ally, and it's quite powerful. We, you know, we're told that the Knights of Ren are Force-sensitive, uh, but they're incredibly untrained and don't have really any skill uh, in the Force. Just kind of it enhances their abilities. Luke makes quick work of them and disarms a few of them, uh, but Ren tells him that he'll have to try and take his lightsaber from him. But before he does that, he should know that he has a kill switch he activated that'll blow the whole place up if it leaves his hand. The, the two parties decide to part ways and walk away from this on a note of mutually assured destruction, and Ren tells Luke that, you know, he knows that they might have the shadow, but, you know, so does Ben. Um, but before he leaves, he offers Ben a different life and leaves his mask on the ground. Uh, back in the present, Ben returns to the outpost and puts on Ren's mask that was left there years ago. It turns out that it allows him to communicate with Ren, and it seems like from the text box styling, it's with a comm system rather than, you know, some, like, force communication. He's told to go track them down on Van Rack in the mid-rim, and when Ben removes the mask, he's found that he's been tailed there by our Jedi friends Hennix, Vo, and Ty. That's the end of the issue, and we will pick up next week with issue three, the confrontation, or the second confrontation between Ben and the Jedi. It's really cool so far, we're just kind of setting up the lore the backstory of Kylo Ren, and I got to see Luke in his heyday, which was pretty cool, since, you know, we really haven't gotten much of that. But yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully no one decides to pick up those Jedi and Sith holocron and put them together. You know, you never know what would happen. But anyways, 
into the main topic of today. That's Season 7, Episode 7, A Dangerous Debt. So we start off with our crew in the cell on Obadiah, right where we left off, and Ahsoka and Rafa are arguing about whose fault this all is. Ahsoka takes the moral high ground as per usual, and Rafa makes a, a remark calling her a Jedi. Ahsoka asks, what if she was? Uh, but that's when Rafa says they don't exactly like the Jedi or the Topsiders on Coruscant. You see, a few years ago when Zero the Hutt broke out of prison, the Jedi were in a chase after her or him, and there's more or less a basic trolley problem scenario where there was a transport that was going down, uh, the Jedi had it under control, sort of, they steered it away from a crash or a crowded landing platform and crashed into a, a wall. You'd say you'd think that would be a victory, but unfortunately on the other side of the wall was the Martez family shop and the Martez parents died uh, with just in time to evacuate their kids. In the end, the Jedi didn't even catch Zero and it was all for nothing. She says a green-skinned Jedi, assuming it's Luminara, uh, came up to Rafa and told her, I had to make a choice, but don't worry, the Force will be with you. And they just left there, and they were left all alone, trying to find their way in the system of the Jedi. The only thing Ahsoka could say was sorry. You see, she was involved in this. Zero the Hut and the escape was documented earlier in the Clone Wars, I believe in the movie. Um, and so this is kind of indirectly Ahsoka's fault that this all happened. Um, at this point, the Pikes come to question Rafa and they take her and put her in the clutches of a torture droid. Back in the cell, Trace tells Ahsoka, before she came along, they really were all on their own. She only helped Ahsoka because it's what her mother would do. Her life, as Ahsoka knows it, isn't a product of her upbringing, but it's really just the reality of her situation. It's what life has dealt to her. Rafa's return, and she's pretty messed up, uh, and Trace confronts the guards who whisk her away for this uh, sub insubordination. They drag her over to the torture chamber as well, uh, and she pretends to faint in a guard's arms, and then disarms him and blasts her way out of there. Ahsoka sees all the commotion outside, takes the chance to open her cell door with a force, and she wakes up Rafa and bolts out of there. She tells her that the door just happened to drop down due to a power surge, and uh, meanwhile, Trace is running around and gunning as she bumps into another guard and manages to release a Nikito and an Ithorian uh, while they're tussling, and those two take care of all of her pursuers. We round back and meet with Ahsoka and Rafa, and they decide to try and make their break. Uh, they get outside the, the walls, but are trying to run across a narrow platform to get free. When it retracts, leaving Ahsoka and Trace on the wrong side of it. Trace goes for this impossible-looking jump, and Ahsoka has to use the Force to push her to safety, Pretty similar to what she had to do in the first episode where she pulled her up off that uh, like industrial speeder. Uh, Rafa tells Trace that they should just ditch her since she obviously wouldn't be able to make the jump. Or so she assumes, because Ahsoka obviously just leaps over the gap and over their heads. The two of them think they fell to her, she fell to her death when she comes up behind them and tells them that she's more athletic than she looks. This whole time it's just like Ahsoka trying to hide the fact that she's using the Force and is a Jedi and they're kind of just completely oblivious just time after time. But I imagine next episode's when the truth's finally going to come out. They start trying to find their way out of this compound. Uh, Rafa gets in a scrap with a guard who's kind of in this, like, elevator platform. When he gets straight, like, mandoed and chopped in half, which is, like... I mean, they obviously didn't show it, but it's pretty uh, vicious for Clone Wars uh, standards. The three of them discuss their plan, and Ahsoka goes on the hard task of t trying to open the gate while the other two stay down and uh, engage the uh, enemy. Ahsoka hops up the Scar Tower and has a pretty cool similar fight to uh, the Outpost fight in the Bad Batch episode on Anaxis. It looks pretty great. Also kind of reminiscent of the 
elevator scene from Winter Soldier, but she dispatches them all and opens the gate and looks down to see Trace and Rafa struggling with their fight below. So she gets down there and starts force pulling guards out of their cover so they can get easy shots off. They eventually make it out into the civilian area, and Trace kind of runs ahead because she sees her ship off in the distance. Ahsoka then has a heart-to-heart with Rafa and tells her that maybe this isn't the life for Trace, and that she's not cut out for it and she's just sticking around because of the love of her sister. Uh, At this point, a drunk beggar approaches the two asking for credits, and they tell him to scram. Rafa ends uh, ends the talk by saying she's just trying to do what's best for the both of them. The beggar, of course, then runs into some guards and points them in the direction of Ahsoka and the sisters, since they are wanted fugitives at this point. Uh, And the guards start pursuing the group again. They're running through the street, and they push by a hooded figure who turns to reveal that they're a Mandalorian. Uh, And the group hop on the back of the speeder, but the engine is shot out before two. The sisters get captured, but Ahsoka manages to escape scot-free. Amanda is now observing the kind of hectic situation from up on a rooftop. The camera turns to reveal that it's none other than Bo-Katan and two of her night owls. She says that this could be a Jedi that she met before, but uh, she might compromise her mission. However, they also could prove to be a powerful ally since they share a common enemy. She didn't mention the nature of her mission, but this is all leading up to the Siege of Mandalore. You have to remember at this time, the planet is still under the control of the crime syndicates under the thumb of Maul. So they're probably on Obadiah trying to gain intel or potentially get the pikes off their trail. Uh, the two sisters, meanwhile, are on their knees in front of a hollow of the pike leader. He's going to kill them and torture Ahsoka to figure out what happened to his spice. Just then, Ahsoka goes and commandeers an like, industrial-looking speeder and crashes their party. The three are about to escape when a cannon takes them down because the whole thing was a setup. They just had to have the sisters out in the open to try and lure Ahsoka from hiding. The group gets thrown back in the cell, and we're pretty much right where we started the episode, although now the Mandalorians know that we're here. Rafa feels regret for her responsibilities, kind of are starting to assume her role in getting them in this situation, uh, but Ahsoka tells her that we will live and learn. That's the end of the episode. I think it was pretty, pretty good. Nothing, like I said, it kind of ends where it started. Not a whole lot happened here, but I'm feeling that we're getting a lot of build-up. I'm just hoping that it pays off in the end. But if you like what you heard, feel free to follow me on Twitter or Instagram at SpicedInPod. Thank you to Granbull as always for our music, and may the Force be with you.